This is Aftermath, where we give you the week that was in MMA. It's your man, The Voice, MCMV Sports, fights correspondent with my man, my dude, the bearded daddy himself. I'm sorry, the follicle (laughs) father. He has a new name, the follicle father, a.k.a. The Bearded Moose, a.k.a. The Bearded Wonder, B.K.A. Josh Moose. What's going on, man? Hey, man, I am doing good. How are you? It has been a while since we've had a chance to speak. Oh, yeah. And so much has happened within that time. Um, Things I probably will talk to you about off air. Uh, Let's just say that when uh when the lord is moving the enemy has to be busy um as well because he doesn't like it and i definitely have had my share of trials and tribulations as of late but i am yet holding on to the faith and that's what matters most now we know with all the talk that i've done about all your new names what's been going on uh, on your end. Uh, uh, the wildlife organization there in Florida must be very generous because you got how much paternity time? Uh, I will actually be going back October 17th. So it'll be a little over a month um, that I'm going to take. Nice. Yeah, they're pretty good about it. Yeah, Um the last time I brought a child into the world, shoot, both times I brought a child into the world, I was just starting a new job, so I had no time mm. <laughs> None whatsoever. I, just, I, I gave birth. Uh, no, I, didn't, I didn't give birth, but my wife gave birth, <laughs> and then I uh, would come and pick them up from the hospital uh, coming from work. So, yeah, it was... Oof. Twas tight in uh, both situations. Don't plan on birthing any more babies, so it's not something that I have to be concerned about. Yeah. All right, man. Well, what we are concerned about are the phenomenal fights that took place on the zone last week for Bellator 206. It was their foray, or I should say their uh, flagship and not even flagship, the debut show on the Zone, the streaming network. Um, what were your overall thoughts of the card? Um, I loved it, first of all. And honestly, uh, I know I've seen mixed reviews on the Zone in general and how the stream went. But for me personally, uh, my stream was relatively flawless. I think I had one small hiccup. Um, and it could have potentially been my fault because I was kind of, I think it was between fights. I was on Facebook or something, and there was another video playing. So we had a couple different things going at the same time, and I got a little choppy. But as soon as I closed that out, um, I was able to go right back to, to live. Um, so I thought that his own 
uh, I thought the show overall was a success. Um, the pacing I thought was, was decent. Um, I mean, especially if you have stayed up for any of these, uh, you know, like the tough finale for UFC um, that lasted until like, I don't know, I think it's still going on for a month <laughs> ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the pacing was, was, was all right. Um, I liked the little things they had in between. I know there was a, a small segment with uh, Robin Black and uh, Chael Sonnen um kind of in, in between that was kind of uh giving you something to do and to watch outside of just saying the same things over and over and over and finding different ways to beat the same horse um but as far as the fights went i thought i mean it was another great bellator card i mean it's part of the reason i love bellator so much uh, the cards are just phenomenally set up the competitions even if on paper you might not know this guy or this guy, or they maybe don't have the, the name value. Um, they almost are always great fights, a lot of finishes. Um, and the ones that usually go to the distance are the kind that you want to sit down and watch. And you wish that there was two more rounds uh, if they're going to go the distance. And uh, I love the card. Yeah, I, I agree. I think as far as Bellator is concerned, this was being lauded as and heralded as uh, the biggest card that they ever had and it definitely panned out that way. It paid off of them tremendously. I agree with you. The matchmaking was spot on. All of the fights on the main card had uh, their own intrigue. The only fight that could have possibly not lived up to the hype was the the kickoff of the welterweight Grand Prix. This started out slow, and it was kind of just teetering around a little bit until it wasn't. I mean, when it picked yeah. up, it picked up <laughs> pretty quickly and gained steam. But, you know, when you've got two people that are shared as much time fighting each other as Koreshkov and Lima, there's more hesitancy. Uh, case in point, when Wonder Boy and Woodley fought for the second time, each of them was trying to draw the other person out, trying to get them to make a mistake so they could capitalize on it. Neither of them wanted to put themselves out there too bad because they both knew that doing so would bring about a defeat. Koreshkov wrestled Lima to death the first time, and I have to say he did a phenomenal job with his wrestling in this fight because outside of round one that Koreshkov won for his wrestling, he didn't win any other round. Now, round four was close until the last 10 seconds when Koreshkov ran into that right hand and then got caught mm. with two more hard ones. But, you know, outside of that, it was clearly Lima and uh, really primarily it was either Koreshkov's inability to implement his game plan or his desperateness that caused the fight because that shot in the last round really did him in now he was losing anyway it was, i had it three to one regardless and he needed to stop so going for it was you know smart but um yeah he it, that did not work out for him well at all put him in a terrible position got ground and pounded to death and uh then uh, Lima put the uh, rear naked choke on him super tight 
and put him on the Sleepy Town Express. <laughs> Didn't tap, just took a nap. So, yeah, I mean, outside of that, that's the only fight that could have possibly been kind of iffy, but um, uh, it wound up working out in the end. Uh, and 50 was in the... Uh, <laughs> In in the room with the with the seventeen hundred dollar champagne, yeah. Unless he's paying for it, that's something I probably will never in my life taste. Uh, so, yeah, that all that was that. But anyway, uh, you had a fight on the undercard that you wanted to talk about, uh, which is uh, Amber Lybrock and Arlene Blanco. What made that stand out to you? Uh, honestly, it was, I actually had the two fights that I was debating on which one I wanted to talk about. I believe they're both on the undercard. Um, they were. and really I think what did it for me is the other one was, uh, uh, pick Lottie and Terry. Um, I was just going to talk about how that was a very dominant performance, um, striking wise and just, not even striking wise, just everything for pick Lottie. And that fight was just, I mean, it was textbook. It was really a great technical fight. But really what I think what sealed it for me was just the ending of the Blanco Gladbrock fight. Because mm-hmm. um, as I was going through, uh, you know, round one I gave to uh, – oh, let me find my notes here make sure because I had a split. Um, I had Lybrock win in round one, and it was just uh, honestly the kicks. I mean, she was mm-hmm. doing really well with the kicks and using her, her reach advantage um, and was doing well. Now, Now – that to say, Blanco, I don't think was like just out of the, the first round. It was relatively close. She had a good, uh, like closing of the round, but I gave it to Lybrock. And then round two, um, kick started again from Lybrock, but uh, Blanco was really starting to counter very well and was starting to catch her, um, with some, some good combos. And the kicks started to go away. And uh, I gave the second round to Blanco. And then the third round, um, there was like an immediate takedown from Lybrock. Uh, I believe in the ensuing stra- uh, scramble, <clears throat> excuse me, Blanco ended up on top. Um, and then within just, I mean, just lightning quick, uh, Blanco was stuck, I mean, in a deep, deep arm bar. And I mean, it just looked like this fight's over. I mean, mm-hmm. it's in deep. There's, there's barely any time off the clock. They haven't even really had the opportunity to, to sweat that much anymore. And out of nowhere, Blanco reaches down, grabs a hold of that arm, lifts up Lybrock, and is able to just plant her on the back of her head and knocks her out. I think she ends up dropping another hammer fist or two, but it was the it was the slam. I mean, that when she gets hit, you just kind of see Lybrock's body unfold uh, around <laughs> around her. Um, in like this ridiculously slow fashion. Um, I mean, the height of the slam, the strength of the slam. I mean, that's really what I wanted to 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 talk about this fight for. Um, it was very good technical first and second rounds as well. I mean, it, it was really a technical fight, much like the Piccolotti uh, fight with mm-hmm. both girls really doing well and their their their. And what you could see was their particular game plans. And then when everything kind of just goes off script <laughs> to see these two young ladies just really put on this great performance. I mean, again, the 
the transition into the arm bar was so quick, so clean, and it was deep, so, so deep. Yeah. Just blank out, just out of nowhere, just reaches in, picks her up, and I'm talking, stood her, stood up, being like, not just a little tiny slam. We saw another little arm bar slam later on in the men's fight, mm-hmm. and it was like, a couple inches. I mean, this was like a solid two and a half feet right. and just drove her into the ground. And it was, it was impressive. I believe uh, Mauro Ronaldo was yelling something about uh, it was reminiscent of Rampage Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was just the, the, the atmosphere at that entire, at that moment was, was incredible. When I went back and watched it again, um, that's really, it got me excited. I knew it was coming and I was still like excited when I saw it. And, and it was just, it was just really cool. Um, and I mean, she got really emotional after the fight as well. And just, again, great sportsmanship and everything to be seen after, but really that was the, what separated those two fights for me was that emphatic finish in a way that much like when we talked about, um, I believe it was UFC 228. Uh, where you just mm-hmm. don't typically see women's fight ended with a one punch KO. You right. also don't necessarily see a full body power bomb slam that's going to KO somebody off of an arm bar submission attempt. And uh, it, it was just one of those things that I don't know how often we'll ever see that women's MMA. And I really want to talk about that. <laughs> hey, well, that's uh, that's an excellent reason to choose that fight i agree i think the piccolotti fight i feel like he shut out his opponent Uh, i mean it was it was a good fight don't get me wrong it was a very entertaining Mm -hmm. fight to watch but as far as the drama and the back and forth and i i think i'm gonna have to go back and watch the Librock blinko fight because i remembered it a little differently i thought and which is the reason why i think blinko was so emotional at the end I felt like she was down two rounds. I, I didn't think that she was going to win the fight had she not stopped her the way that she did. So I have to go back and watch it. Great thing about the zone is that everything is on demand pretty much immediately and not even immediately. You can pause it live and run it back. And I'm sorry, uh, you know, with the other, streaming services that I use to watch fights, you can pause it, but you can't take it backwards. And when you hit play, you may be where you paused it, but then again, there may be a blip and then you're somewhere else. So uh, I really do like the functionality of the zone in that fashion. Uh, And I agree. I I didn't have any problems whatsoever. The only times I had issues is when I was watching it on my phone, Uh, but that's to be expected, especially if you're watching it on your phone and you're driving like I was. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it might buffer a little bit. It might not be the clearest, but uh, at home, connected to my Xbox, psh, everything was great. Something that was great that I was not really expecting to be that great, and I shared this with you, which is the reason why I chose it as one of the fights that I was going to highlight. Uh, was Rampage Jackson and um, and Vandalay Silva. I just wasn't expecting much of anything from it. Bellator has put on a number (laughs) of legend fights in the past. Uh, Most have been laughable at best. 
And I just really wasn't expecting the good fight that came about from this. I mean, it was really fun to watch. First 90 seconds, Vandalay was getting Quentin with his jab and his movement and was dictating the fight that way. And Rampage caught him in the pocket. But uh, Vandalay had a well-timed fence grab, which I know uh, you <laughs> paid attention to and uh, had much disrespect for. My <laughs> fans, if you know anything about my man Josh, uh, he greatly despises fence grabs, but uh, that definitely kept Vandalay upright. He clinched uh, Quentin and was able to clear his head. After that, he picked his shots, caught Jackson with a couple more uh, good rights, including a front kick. And then one of the rights he caught him with, it was after a failed high kick that he caught him. Uh, Big John gave that round to Quentin because Quentin landed two good shots. But to me, Silver maintained, or I should say he had more sustained success. Most of the success and the strikes that you saw landed were being landed by Silver, though he was backing up. He was the one that seemed to be more effective, at least in my eyes. But that didn't matter because they decided in round two to keep exchanging in the pocket. They had about three of those exchanges. Where they just stand there, and it's just old-school Vandalay <laughs> style uh, where he's just winging shots uh, from the outside, looking like a windmill uh, throwing his shots, like a, a little girl on the, the schoolyard, but uh, much more dangerous little girl. Anyway, they did that a couple times, and uh, in one of those exchanges, Rampage dropped him. Well, no, that that's not what happened. Rampage was coming in trying to feign him, and he actually fainted a right and then threw it. Oh, my goodness, and, and just dropped Vandalay real cleanly with about 35 seconds left in round two. Followed up with some ground and pound until uh, Beltran had to be pulled, or since they had to pull Rampage off of him. It's two and two, and they want to run it back. And as much fun as that fight was, uh, to borrow a phrase from our colleagues at the co-main event podcast, hashtag would watch. <laughs> Amen there. All right. Now, I know you had the, the main event. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the voices marquee matchup. Got to give that. Uh, but tell us about <laughs> Gagar, the dream catcher, Musasi, and Rory, the Red King, McDonald. Um, yeah, man. It was uh, honestly, <clears throat> when I made my predictions, I went with McDonald. And we <laughs> we were talking off air about about this during that time when we were texting. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew, I knew in my head <laughs> that Musasi was the right pick, but my heart just didn't want to believe such a thing. And I just, I really thought that McDonald just being as tenacious as he is would, would at least present a problem, you know, be there all the time and, and I shouldn't have thought such a thing, but I did. Um, and it was very evident basically from the first, like, 45 seconds. <laughs> right. That the, just the size 
of Musasi was just going to be too much for McDonald. Um, really, Musasi was doing nothing more than throwing a jab and in, in, in a leg kick and then a body, you know, just body kicks, leg kicks, and just honestly a crippling jab. I mean, every time he threw it, it was backing up McDonald like one, two, three steps on a, just a quick jab. Um, it was snapping his head back, and it was really – you could see the damage was already starting uh, to, to form. And um, with that said, I mean, he was he was countering really well. He was getting some his own punches in there. But the difference in the strikes were just so dramatic. I mean, a hard overhand right from McDonald just seemed to not phase Musasi at all. He wouldn't step back. It wouldn't really move his head. As a matter of fact, he would just throw the jab through it. Um, and it, that punch, punch looked so much more damaging and, and effective um, than these harder strikes that McDonald was throwing. Um, but with that, McDonald did make it through the first round. Um, and in the second round, Tries to get the ground the the fight on the ground. This that is McDonald tries to get the fight on the ground and um, ends up on his back with Musasi on top. And very very quickly, Musasi was able to cut through his guard, uh, go to quarter guard. Within a few minutes or a few seconds, he was into to full mount and just started raining punches, which very quickly just turned into elbows after mm-hmm. elbow after elbow and Rory given everything he could rolled to his right rolled to his left tried to 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 buck him off at the hips rolled to his right again finally rolled to his left and was taking just elbow after elbow to the ear and um watching it real time I was just begging for the fight to be stopped uh because there was nothing there I mean the fight could have probably been stopped earlier um, but that would, I don't think it was stopped late is what I'm saying, but it could have been stopped earlier. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, there was nowhere he was going. It was one of those, you could have saved the fighter from himself because McDonald was going to try to keep getting out, keep trying to getting out, but there was no chance it was going to happen. I mean, he had a, a, a much larger guy on top of him locked in up under the elbows with his uh, up under the armpits. I'm sorry, with his knees, mm-hmm. there was really nowhere he could go. The best he could do is roll. And if he was lucky, he could have rolled all the way over and perhaps been choked out. Um, he unfortunately did not get rolled over all the way and ate a lot of those elbows. But as I was watching it in live, like live, uh, I thought I saw, and I had to go back and rewind it. And that's the cool thing. You were just talking about the zone where you can go back and check these things. Um, I was saying they needed to stop the fight, and I thought that I saw Rory reach out and tap due to strikes. I thought he was tapping, but it happened so quickly that um, the ref had stepped in like at, almost at the same time and stopped the fight. So I couldn't quite tell if he was putting his hand down to try to push again and try to get out of the way. I couldn't quite tell, and uh, I think I actually texted you about it. I was like, I think he tapped. <laughs> Yeah, And the reason that I had said such a thing, it, the only reason that I'm, I'm bringing that up is, I mean, if you think and go back and watch some of Rory McDonald's fights, this dude's been in some wars. I mean, just some knockout drag. I mean, even just, just the last fight he was in with Lima and to see how crippled his leg was. 
and how he he was telling his corner, "I'm fine. I'll just go in. I'll take him down, and, and I'll do I'll do da- I'll do work from there." I mean, this is a dude that's not any kind of a sissy, and to see him taking enough damage in this relative short amount of time that he was willing to tap out and strikes, and it wasn't announced that way, but you can go back and watch it if you have not. He taps out from the strikes. He reaches out and taps between Herb Dean's legs before the fight gets stopped. Um, he was he was calling it quits. And again, nothing against him. He's fighting just one of the best flipping MMA fighters in the world at darn near any weight. Right. <laughs> Especially being so much bigger. So it's not taken away. But what what I'm, I'm not taking away from Roy McDonald. I'm just trying to say that what Gegard was able to do is that much more impressive to get a guy that tough to tap out and say, I'm done a round and a half essentially into this super fight title fight that, that he's been training for. And, and again, not a guy that, that, you know, is like, Oh, I hit a little bit of adversity. I'm just going to call it quits. I mean, it's been in some, some wars. So I thought that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk about that one in gen- in particular, uh, was the style in which it ended because I don't a lot of people if you didn't watch it you wouldn't know because it's never talked about um, I actually posted the le- the little t- two or three second video on Twitter um, where he reaches out and taps uh, so it's just one of those interesting things that's not really being talked about and again not to take away from Rory but but really to um acknowledge what Musasi was able to do and, and again in a relatively short amount of time um, phenomenal, phenomenal fight from Musasi. Um, I just, I don't know if, I still think he's the one of the best in the world. I think somebody actually put a poll on Twitter uh, who would win between him and, and Whitaker. And uh, if, if they had, you know, because we've been talking a lot about these cross-promotional uh, title fights. And, and I, I'll be honest, I don't know if, I, I don't know if anybody in the middleweight division is going to be able to beat Musasi in any organization or promotion at this point yeah the, the only person and that's <laughs> simply based on their explosiveness <laughs> and um one punch ko power that could would be romero outside of him i don't see anybody even even giving musasi just anything i he's been one of my favorite fighters since the strike force days. Uh, I can still remember when Mo beat him for the strike force light heavyweight title, but you know, I've been following him <laughs> since then. He's a beast. And I think if anything else, well, a couple of things, one, it shows how truly, truly dominant Musasi is that, that he was able to do that to McDonald in the fashion that he was. I mean, he just he made Rory look like like an amateur. I mean, he really he really mm-hmm. outclassed him. Uh, that and then it also shows how difficult it is to win at two different weight classes. You know, so salute to those people who have uh, and Rory. I mean, not Rory, but uh, Gegard just showed look. <laughs> I'm a whole different kind of, of animal, and uh, you you really don't want this smoke. You you don't want this Netherlands smoke that I'm bringing. <laughs> yes, now I think he's from the Netherlands or from Belgium. You don't you don't want this Western European smoke. That that's all. 
That's yes, you're right. It, it is Netherlands. Okay. Um, now I do. Want, I wanted to ask this before we move off off of this 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 particular fight, and when we're talking about two division champs, Bellator has got uh, three, possibly four guys that have been trying to go for this uh, this this two division uh, champ. You've got Darian Caldwell, obviously um, mm-hmm. trying trying to work his way through to become a double champ. Um, was actually able to very dominantly win his last fight. Um, uh, I believe uh, Patricio Pitbull has kind of expressed interest. And in, in, so, you know, you got that one. But then you had Rory McDonald. I think – I mean, I think Darian Caldwell has a very good opportunity to, uh, to to become a double champ in Bellator. But I would have to say I think Gegard Mousasi has a very good chance if he decided to step back up to, to light heavy. Um in, in challenge for that belt. And I don't, I don't see why that would be necessarily, because I think they're going to have a hard time trying to find middleweight contenders. Cause I thought Rafael Carvalho was a pretty good title, <laughs> a pretty good champion. And we saw him get dismantled very quickly. You had Rory McDonald, who's, you know, a welterweight, but is again, no slouch by any mean, just get dismantled. Um, it's not an exceedingly deep division in Bellator. Do you think, possibly see Musasi stepping up to 205 and I know it would take a while because I believe it's still Ryan Bader who's in the heavyweight mm-hmm. oh that's another one I didn't even think you know you got Ryan Bader that's actually in the coming a double champ uh being in the heavyweight tournament um but if if we'll say for for instance perhaps Bader loses um his fight to Mitrione you would have your light heavyweight champ available to fight again. Do you think that's something that could happen? And if so, do you think that's something Musasi would be able to uh, continue this kind of dominant performance in, in the Bellator to promotion? Bader's really big. Um, <laughs> and that it, it's almost like a Musasi and McDonald situation in the reverse. Uh, if anything, based on what Gegard is saying, he's going to go down to 170 and fight. So he wants like his last fight to be at 170. He, he wants to challenge himself. He's only got a couple more fights left on his contract, and he pretty much has laid it out and let the Bellator brass know in the cage as well as in the post-fight press conference. I want uh, Rafael Lovato Jr., I think he deserves it, and I'm with him, especially with mm-hmm. the lack of of people that they have there in Bellator. <laughs> I want him. After that, I want to run it back with Machida because I feel like he cheated me the first go-round. Mm-hmm. He's been on drugs. You can make the same amount of money in the UFC uh, as you make here in Bellator, and you chose Bellator, and you said that one of the reasons you chose Bellator was because of the drug test, and I granted seemingly he got uh, he got taken for a ride by USADA being out as long as he did, but still you gotta know what you're putting in your body and Mm. it wasn't on anybody but him, whether or not it's something that really did anything or not, you gotta know what's going in your body um so that that's what he's looking to do. And he's like, if I fight a third time or whatever, so I, I would like to try to fight at 170 just as uh, a challenge to myself. He's like looking at some of the people who do fight at 170, like Lima, he, he mentioned specifically. He's like, you know, he cuts down about as much as I cut down 
And if he can cut down to that weight, I think I I can do it too, and I want to try. So uh, out of the dream catcher's mouth, if he does try another weight class, it's probably the one below. Mm, Interesting. Now, someone who, after making their debut at one weight class, dropped one weight class, and then was just like Cinderella uh, after she found her slipper. Oh, my goodness. Aaron Pico has lived up to the hype since losing his first fight, which is at 155, and dropping down to 145. Oh, my goodness. Now, here's one thing that people aren't really talking about with this fight, even though he did. He looked absolutely phenomenal. I want to remind everyone, though, he goes 135-pounder who came up for this fight. It puts me in the mind of the last fight that MVP had. We were like, oh, man, he's fighting <laughs> Caveman. This is the greatest challenge. I was like, yeah, but Caveman's 155-pounder mm-hmm. fighting at 170, so I don't know how he's going to be able to fare at that higher weight class, and he couldn't. Now, granted, I think even if this was contested at 135, the outcome would have been the same, but you know, we I, I think we even though he looked absolutely phenomenal and Higo has been in there with some killers and has a very solid resume, we gotta remember he did come up in wait for this fight. But even without that being said, my goodness, Pico did his thing. First significant strike was landed about forty five seconds in. Uh, hit him with a one, but the two is really what did it. Then he goes said, all right, let me return the favor. I got a one, two for you. Ten seconds later, put that on Pico. Uh, but Pico kept wading in, using his boxing and his movement. You see people wade in often, but you normally don't see them use boxing to try to get inside. You know, they'll, they'll kind of slip and do some things. Uh, but, you know, the, the way that Pico kept stalking him and kept moving in uh, really stood out to me. Uh, now, granted, Higo was doing some good work. He was landing some effective leg kicks and body kicks. But at the 255 mark in round one, Higo dropped down to the ground due to an overhand right by uh, Pico. And boy, then he got caught with about a seven-punch combination. <laughs> uh, Pico was catching him upstairs, downstairs, just working the entire body. Then he landed you know, some more combinations. He landed a couple one-twos in a row. It was like one-two, one-two. And then at that 255 mark, he caught him with just a nice, heavy overhand right. Put, uh, put Higo to the canvas. And then he was just raining down ground and pound. Mark Smith should have stopped the fight much sooner than he did. Uh-huh. He was just, he was out of position. Like when, when he go hit the ground, Pico actually knocked him out and woke him back up. He, yeah. he hit him. You saw, you saw he go go out and then he hit him again. And he woke up and he kind of, you know, kept going, but Mark Smith wasn't facing he goes. So he couldn't see that he was out. Um, he just saw the punches being landed, and that's where the issue was. He was standing on the wrong side to be able to call things the way that he needed to. Uh, 
And yeah, he just took way too much damage. Fortunately, he did step in and stop the fight uh, before anything tragic could happen. But man, uh, as as Moro says, Aaron PKO, <laughs> man, yeah, the, the the dude is uh is definitely one to watch. All right, well. Uh, Mr. Moose will share with the fight fans what we've got coming up next week. We have the UFC. Well, UFC 229 is Saturday. Saturday. Yes, Saturday. At T-Mobile Arena. Yes, sir. If you haven't heard, there's a, a couple little guys known at, uh, I believe his name is Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. I mean, relatively small names in, in the MMA world, but <laughs> no, um, they will be coming in in what is essentially being tagged as a, as a super fight minus the belts. I mean, this is going to be uh, not even going to be, it is, it is, it will be this, the largest, the biggest. Uh, event MMA event um, for the foreseeable future. Um, there yeah, is uh, at, at some really good time. fights on there. Yes, at least yeah, at least over here. Uh, I mean, you, it, the card itself um, is, is, in my opinion, is a really good card. Um, you've got Tony Ferguson coming back uh, going against Anthony Pettis, which I, for one, am super excited about. Uh, That's that the voices marquee matchup. That I, I, I knew it had to be. <laughs> I knew it had oh to be because that's probably that's that's like my must watch fight. Um, I just hope that Ferguson is fully healed um, going in this fight because I want to see these guys really go at it. I mean, Anthony Pettis has really seemed to get back, uh, really get back his mojo, get back to 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 being a UFC champion caliber fighter. Tony Ferguson always fun to watch. Um, obviously we know what happened with him and his belt, uh, because of the whole Khabib thing. It what was at 223. Yeah. Uh, I believe. Well, he, he, yeah. That whole, yeah. well, it wasn't, thing. it wasn't Khabib as much as him, uh, following her. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. It was him coming out and then, and then the, the, you know, they, he lost the thing, uh, from, from then, but you got Ovent St. Pru, uh, and Dominic Reyes, uh, Derek Lewis is making, uh, another, hopefully this is a, a more interesting Derek Lewis fight <laughs> than his last one. Um, yeah. uh, and then you've got, uh, Michelle Waterson. I'm sorry. That was against uh, Alexander Volkov. Um, yeah, I don't want to leave him out and that's, yeah. that'll be that matchup. And then I you got Michelle like Waterson. Volkov, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think no, Volkov is undefeated in the UFC. So this I is, think you are correct. Yeah, this is big for him. I mean, after um, after Stipe fought in Ganu, it was being rumored that Volkov will be next up, and I still see him pretty high in the rankings, um, especially with DC now holding the belt, and and we all know that once he gets done, well, we don't know what's going to happen. So let me be quiet, but. Yeah, Volkov, <laughs> uh, Drago is is definitely a, a beast, and looking forward to seeing him fight. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I, I agree. That's that's another one I'm 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 interested in. I mean, I'm always it's always fun to watch heavyweights um, go at it because you're just expecting something thunderous to come through. Um, Derek Lewis definitely throws some leather. I know that 
you might have a bad taste in your mouth from his last fight. Um, but there was a lot of issues going on. You had a very strange Nganu. Lewis was battling some massive back problems. Hopefully this is all taken care of. Hopefully we have a big heavyweight smash fest going on. But you've got um, Michelle Watterson and Felice Herring uh, in the women's strawweight matchup. Uh, I think that'll be fun as well. I think top to bottom is actually a really good card. Obviously headlined by the McGregor um, Nurmagomedov fight. Uh, a lot of bad blood there. The whole bus incident from 223. I mean, just a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think it's it's going to be really a good a good event, and I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about <laughs> when uh, when this one's over. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure about that as well. Uh, I know one's got a card on Saturday as well, and it is truly a mixed card because they've got kickboxing, which they do quite often. They'll have uh, Muay Thai kickboxing uh, along with MMA. But the headlining fight is a WBC super flyweight boxing title on the line. So this is Western boxing. And you very rarely see Western boxing along with MMA, but you got Western boxing, kickboxing, uh, and I, I believe Muay Thai kickboxing specifically, as well as MMA all on one card. So uh, that's going to be very, very interesting. And then, of course, uh, PFL playoff start. Yeah, PFL 8. Um, the featherweights and, and heavyweights. Uh, who Do you have any idea, or I should say, do you have a, a thought as to who you think will make it to the finals in those uh, divisions? Oh, oh, man, I don't. Off the top of my head, no, I really don't have anybody pegged. Um, I am incredibly excited about it, though. Uh, just the whole PFL season so far has been fascinating, and I'm really pumped to kind of start to see the beginning of the end and uh, in, getting into the playoffs and see how that goes. If it's anything like, you know, anything like the regular season. Um, I'm really excited that that's, that's working its way back. Yeah. I, I'm, I am very intrigued to see how this works because when you have two fights in one night, that just normally doesn't work. It just doesn't work out. And you have that going on in, multiple divisions on the same night six fights in each division uh i'm looking for a world of wackiness in the featherweight division the semifinals could see a rematch from uh, march of 2017 with andre harrison and lance party palmer as uh, they're ranked both two and three for the featherweights and on the other end of the bracket I see uh, Steven Siler taking it. And I really see Siler and Harrison probably in the finals. Uh, for the heavyweights, man, I wish the Jack May-Alex Nicholson fight was not in the first round because it means it can only be two rounds long. I wish that, uh, that could have been in the second round. But, hey, it's not about putting people where you want them. It's about how they fall out with the seeding and they were ranked fourth and fifth respectively and we'll be fighting in that first round 
with heavyweights, one punch can end it. So you never know who's going to do what. Uh, but I'm leaning towards the top two seeds, which are uh, Kevin Tiller at two and Francis Marvajos at one, making it to the finals. But we won't know till the pin uh, drops, the cage door locks, thumbs go up, and they start the clock. Agreed. I think I, w- I would definitely agree with you on the, the featherweights. I do think that in this format that people that can get it done on the ground have a very large advantage in a two-fight, one-night event. And if you can if you can control the ground, the, the, the game, um, and take little damage as possible, um, I, I think that that's going to bode very well in this format. Um, so I, I think if I had to choose two guys to make it to the finals on the featherweight side, it'd be Siler and Harrison. Yeah. Well, obviously I agree. Cause <laughs> that's what yeah, I, yeah. That's I, what I, I, was, I was looking at it and I was sitting there going through looking and I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me even with, with Palmer, you know, you can throw his name around in there. Um, but I really do. I think that those, the, the other two Siler and Harrison are, uh, I just think they're, they're going to have better control. I mean, Siler's looked phenomenal um, jujitsu-wise. Harrison's looked phenomenal wrestling-wise and just having ground control. It would not be aftermath if we didn't have two parts. I mean, literally, we're at the end. We're at the finish line, getting ready to shut it down. And Anchor says, uh-uh, you got to come back at it. So, Anchor... Thank you. Salute to Anchor.fm for giving us the vehicle to put this out. Um, I love it for podcasting purposes because you can just kind of go with it. Puts it out on all the major platforms. So salute to Anchor for that. Um, All right. Parting words for you, uh, sir. Moosel of the Moosel clan. Um, No, man, just Thanks for sticking with us for one. I know that, uh, you know, we had a a small little hiatus going on, but I appreciate everybody that that sticks with us and listens to these things. Make sure you're checking out these fights. If you are on the zone, which I, I was on the fence about it. I got it the day of the fight. um, And I have been remarkably happy with it. Um, Check that out. If you are a fan of Bellator, if you're a fan of, fights in general yes. there's a lot of good things on there uh you just talked about was a ksw is K- also on there ksw and they just added efc i saw today oh i haven't even seen that yeah so uh and then they've got uh uh oh drawing a blank uh had a guy try to get you come out uh americas americas whatever mm-hmm. um that's that's on there as well and they've got some pretty neat formats that they go around with um boxing is on there as well so it's really some good stuff on the zone i highly recommend it you'll get to watch the bellator fights um in particular the welterweight grand prix cards and what they're going to do with these zone cards is make them pay-per-view worthy i mean mm-hmm. that, that's what they're going for i mean this is and i'll be the fr- i mean i thought that this card uh that we just had 206 was every bit as stacked as what we had for the Madison Square Garden pay-per-view fight. I mean, it really was – it was a good <laughs> card. I mean, it really wasn't anything le- – except you're paying 10 bucks a month for it. 
Right. Um, and not, and you're not just paying for that. You're paying, for, you're getting all these other things. I mean, we kind of talked about it. I mean, I'm talking about trying to cut cable back and stuff. And this is a huge thing for me on that. Uh, Cause it's hard to find Paramount uh, on many of these streaming services, but this is phenomenal. It's there. Um, again, if you get a chance, there are other promotions, MMA promotions outside of UFC and outside of Bellator. I highly suggest you check them out. Um, you still got, got, you know, promotions, LFA, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one championship that you like to talk about and watch. Yes. Um, but outside of that, you can follow a lot of these things as we post about them on Twitter. I'm at Bearded Moose. Um, that's with two zeros, M-0-0-S-E. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me on, on Facebook at Josh Musel. Um, yeah, definitely good ways. And, and I love interacting with anybody, MMA fans, sports fans in general, just chit-chatting about stuff. You know, so feel free to, to jump on there, follow, and, and, and uh, we'll talk about MMA or whatever, you know? Yeah, and, and don't forget, uh, as well, Ambush Sports is the uh, – is Josh's – or I should say his budding vehicle as far as sports coverage is concerned. Uh, and he talks about, yeah, you know, I like sports. Man loves fantasy. Loves fantasy football. I just thought that he was uh-huh. – uh, that he just really, really liked purple and gold. No, he's a fantasy football <laughs> fiend. So that's yeah. true. I am. I am four and zero oh in five of my nine leagues. I am three and one in three of the other ones, and I'm one in three in one league that I forgot I was in and auto drafted. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll, I'll take three losses across uh, across eight leagues. So I'll, I'm happy with that. Yeah, that, that's not not bad at all. Um, of course, MTMV Sports. I was getting ready to uh, go by our former name, Trackstar Sports. But MTMV Sports <laughs> is the overall vehicle for aftermath and the main card and round two. I'm hoping to have an interview this week for round two, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but yes, MTMV Sports on everything, whether that be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, MTMV Sports. And just like last week and the week before that with the fights that were on the zone, because since boxing is there and that's something that I enjoy, I've been covering that as well. I love covering the Anthony Joshua fight. Oh, my goodness. Great great fight um you know but if you don't have the means of watching the fight you know uh, your your cousins um uh uh kinsingera bat mitzvah all together uh happens that day and you're not able to watch the fight don't worry about it go check us out on any of those platforms your man the voice has you covered and i will have you covered for ufc 229 bringing you live updates round by round coverage video coverage through those platforms through mtmv sports and that includes like i said the zone and and anything else like the um triple g canelo fight so uh, if it's a big fight your man the voice has you covered as far as that live video commentary is concerned all right. Well, um, anything else for the good people? Mm, nope. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, fight fans, 
until the horn sounds. Fight the good fight. Mm-hmm.